0: Hey friends, welcome back to the Pulpit to Pew Podcast in this week's Adult Bible Studies. We continue through the book of Romans. And this week we come to chapter number four. And Paul is going to continue his thought on salvation. He's going to give an illustration. He's writing to an audience mainly composed of Jews, though some Gentiles will get it, but and he wants to illustrate it with one of the greatest men that they respected. And you'll see who that is early in the podcast. So without further ado, let's jump into our continued study on the book of Romans. Let's take our Bibles, go back to Romans, and this time we are in Romans chapter 4. As we, are, we have been studying through Romans, and a quick overview of where we've been so far is we've, we've talked about sin, Well, we opened with an introduction, Paul's introduction to this book of Romans, and really the theme, he says that he's not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. He's letting us know up front, he's one, not ashamed of the gospel, but he will be talking about the gospel, and how the gospel changes lives, how the gospel affects both the unbeliever and the believer. And so then he transitioned into the end of chapter 1 and chapter 2 and the beginning of chapter 3, and he talked about sin. He talked, first of all, about sin of the Gentiles. Remember how wicked that first chapter was. They're sinners, they, all of this stuff that takes place because they reject God. And when God says, it says that God gave them over to themselves. And when God gives us over to ourselves, basically, it's, not, it's in a sense saying, God's saying, hey, live life your way. Man always just goes straight head first into sin. Wicked sins chapter 2 it's like the Gentiles were over, or Jews were over there going yep you're right we got them Gentiles you're, you nailed it they are wicked and then uh, God says to them or Paul is writing and then the inspiration of, of God and he says you know you guys are hypocrites because you're criticizing them and you're doing the same thing you just look good on your outside but you're doing the same thing and he, he rebuked them for their hypocriticalness he rebuked them because he says they're doing it and they at least don't have the law Now, it's built into them. I mean, they're in the image of God. There's no excuse. We saw that chapter one. But he said, you Jews, you had the law. You had a special privilege. You're God's chosen people. You have the law. You know better, and you're still doing it. You're hypocrites. And number two, he said, your religious and your heritage and your religious actions are not going to justify you. Your circumcision isn't going to justify you. You're still guilty. They didn't like that. So the beginning of chapter 3, they had three objections, and he knew that those objections were going to come, so he answered those objections up front before he even sent this letter because they were thinking, well, what good is it? What advantage do we have to be in a Jew? And he said, hey, you guys had God. You're God's chosen people. You have everything, but you're still a sinner. And then he goes into the end of chapter 3, or the last part of chapter 3. He says, the whole world's guilty. There's no one that can stand before God justified. We are all sinners. There's none that doeth good. No, not one. And he lists out some of that, and he just says, we're all sinners. But then we got to that. But it says, but now, in verse chapter 3, verse 21. Great verse. Look at it again. Why don't we just read it again? Because we got to get we got to get warmed up. I've been watching baseball. So it's like we're in that batter's box. We're getting warmed up. Let's get warmed up with chapter 3, verse 21. Again, it says, but now, after dealing with all this sin, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifest. It's revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. We've known this because we've read it in the Old Testament. It says, verse 22, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith, In Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. So there he just nails it right out of the water. He says, it's by faith. By faith in who? By faith in Jesus Christ. It's not anything that you can do. It's by faith in Jesus Christ. Let's just read some more of these great verses. He says, verse 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Being justified, good word here, freely, good phrase, by his grace, through the redemption. It means he bought us out. That is in Christ Jesus. When Jesus died, he bought us out of the slavery of sin. Whom God has sent to be a propitiation. Remember that means to satisfy the wrath of God. How? Through faith in his blood. To declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. And then... So there's some great verses there. but So he's kind of transitioned now, not kind of, he's definitely made a hard transition from dealing with sin and exposing sin of the mankind to now saying, here is how you can have that sin forgiven. And, and, and that leads to a lot of questions because some people would say, well, that sin is forgiven because for the Jews in the current time because I'm circumcised. So because I did this, this religious act, my sins have been forgiven. And he's going to blow that out of the water. No, no, no. Works are not going to save you. Some say, well, because of my heritage, because I am a Jew, Abraham is my father. He's the father of us Jews. My heritage is going to secure me a place. He's going to say, no, no, no. It's not going to. He's already transitioned to try to teach them, which is something that you and I need to have a grip on. We've got to have a grip on the fact that salvation is by faith alone in Jesus Christ. And you say, well, I already know that. You do until we start talking about it. Because it's so easy, sometimes we'll be like, yeah, just got to believe in Jesus Christ and get baptized. Well, what's wrong with that phrase? We just added some work to it. You just said believe in Jesus Christ and be baptized. Now that's a work. Is baptism important? Yeah. We'll talk about how it's important later. But it has nothing to do with your salvation. Believe in Jesus Christ and go to church and read your Bible. Whoa, 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 We're adding a bunch of stuff to it. Should you go to church? Should you read Bible? Yeah. But faith in Jesus Christ is what saves. And so we've got to hammer that down. So you know when teaching or preaching sometimes and dad will be speaking or sometimes even in my class, someone is teaching and they give an illustration. And some illustrations can be so good. Spurgeon called them like the windows into... I don't remember the soul. I don't remember his exact quote. All right, so bad illustration. But he he called him the windows into the sermon or something like that. Because when you're getting down into the weeds and you're getting down into some difficult, not difficult, but maybe a lot of facts, 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 an illustration is just like a, oh, now I get it. That helps. You remember last week when Eric Goetz brought me and Brian up on the stage? And Brian, I mean, he was about to lose it. It was an illustration. Here's two brothers, and and they're up on the stage, and you could see it. Our our, uh, nervousness, I had no idea that was coming. All I knew was he was hugging me, and I'm like, all right, go with it. Pat him on the back, and he's pulling me by the neck like, get up, get up. I'm like, all right, here we go. But it was an illustration to try to help prove a point. That's what Paul's going to do in chapter 4. Chapter 4 is kind of an illustration. He's just kind of transitioned from sin, and he's transitioned to the fact that there's salvation. And he's right. He's he's like, I need a I need to fit in here. If you're writing a sermon, sometimes you do this. You're like, I need a something. There's a lot of stuff here, a lot of notes. I need to put an illustration in here. What is it? And it's like Paul saying, we need an illustration right here. Well, his audience is the Jews. He knows that he's just come off telling them they're sinners, so he knows his audience is the Jews. And you want to you want to know your audience. Like, if you're out there preaching a message, like, let me give you an illustration about how the Taliban works, and none of you guys are Taliban, it's going to probably fall short. But if I were to give an illustration about something that we would all understand, baseball, or something that we all kind of understand, now we're all like, all right, I kind of understand how that goes, even if you're not a sports person. So if you're a Paul and you're writing to Jews, who do you think would be a good person to use as an illustration? Well, Abraham. Abraham. Because Abraham is known as the father of the Jews. Abraham received the promise that he was going to have a great seed, a great nation after him. He received the promise of the land. Abraham, you remember when Jesus tried to say that he was before and above Abraham? What did they do in the the New Testament? They picked up stones and wanted to kill Jesus. They said, you don't touch Abraham. Don't talk about Abraham because he's our father of our nation, Jews. And so Paul says... What better person to use as an illustration? I want to illustrate that salvation is by faith. Let's talk about Abraham. And so that's what he does. Look at chapter 4, verse 1. He says, What shall we say then that Abraham, our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? Now this is going to get their attention. He goes. He just said salvation is by faith alone. He goes, well, what about Abraham? How did Abraham get saved? How was Abraham become saved? a child of God. That's going to get everybody's attention because you better be careful, Paul, what you say here now. And he says, verse 2, For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. He said "If if Abraham is justified, if he's declared righteous, I illustrated that at this door for some reason. I just kind of move and I remember where I was when I said stuff. But I was justifying entering into heaven. We have to be justified. And so if Abraham has something that's going to justify him or allow him access into heaven, he says, and if it's of works, then he could glory in that. If any of us could. Imagine just walking around heaven going, yeah, I got here because I was pretty good on this earth. Yeah, I was, I was really pretty amazing. Do you hear about my stories? Have you read the scrolls about how good I was on earth? I helped this old lady across the road. I donated money to this church. I mean, I was pretty good. I put up with Ryan as a friend, Aaron as a brother-in-law. I mean, I earned myself some credit on this earth. doesn't matter. He says if Abraham had some works that he was going off of, then yeah, he would have something to glory in, but but not before God because he does have good works, but that's not what got in there. Verse 3, for what saith the Scripture? What a great answer. What a great thing to write he says, what saith the scripture it's like us today saying, well what's the Bible say and, and so he says, so what saith the scripture and he's going to quote a verse that I'll go back and read to you in a minute but he says, what saith the scripture Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness now he was quoting Genesis chapter 15 verse 6 which I have marked and I will go back there Genesis 156 was when Abraham was... Pro- Abram, at this not time, his name hadn't been changed. But Abraham was... His name had been changed. His name hadn't been changed. I got stuck on that because I was thinking about a funny story. So let me just say it <laughs> so I don't get stuck. You guys remember Chase. Chase works with me. He got saved. And uh, he goes to another church now. But he, he was saved. I led him to the Lord. And he was reading through his Bible. And he kept reading Abram, Abram, Abram. And he didn't know anything. And then all of a sudden, it was Abraham. he came come into work one day, and he's like, man... I'm lost. Where are you lost? He goes, this guy like Abram, and then all of a sudden it's Abraham. Are those like the H-A-M silent or something? Or where did it come from? Why is it? Like, am I reading this wrong? Did they spell it wrong? He was so confused on the change, all right? Well, God did change his name. He must have missed that part. But his name right now is Abram. And every time I see that now, I think about Chase so confused in my office saying, what happened? Am I supposed to, those supposed to be silent letters or what is it that's going on? But in, in chapter 15, verse 6, it says, And he believed the Lord, after you've been given this promise that you're going to have a child and a great nation's going to come from this child, and everyone's going to be blessed, the world will be through this your heritage. He says, He believed the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. That's what he is quoting, what Paul is quoting over here in in this passage and he's that word counted is important and i i have some things down here in the notes that i want to say to you the word counted there it's actually a banking term speaking of bank where i work it's actually a banking term and it means to credit or to place on one's account and so it's you're going to see there's synonyms in this whole chapter there's the word counted there's the word reckoned and there's the word imputed they're all synonyms and they're all come from the same greek word and they're used many times in here i'm not going to emphasize every one of them but i want you to notice when i when i read the word counted or reckoned or imputed they all mean to place on one's account it's a banking term and so what he's saying here he says abraham believed god and it was encountered it was placed on his account unto him for righteousness See you and I don't have righteousness in ourselves. We'll never stand before God and say, "Here's all the good I did, let me to heaven." It never it never measures up. It's never going to be good enough. But the righteousness of Jesus was put on my account, not because of anything I did, because of what He did in my faith, that's chapter three. Faith gave me a righteousness that I could not earn. So now when I stand before God, not on my own righteousness, but on the righteousness of Jesus Christ by faith, that's what declares me. That's what he's saying. The righteousness of God got put on Abraham's account, counted unto him. It was placed on his account, banking term, because of his faith he believed. That's what he's saying. He's using that illustration for them. And then read on down. He says, verse 4, Now to him that worketh is the reward but not reckoned of grace, but of debt. Let me give an illustration again. Let me use my work. Imagine this last Friday I got paid. So imagine last Friday, Gary Neese, the president of the bank, says, Brad, I want you in my office. I'm like, all right. So I sit down. He says, Brad, I want you to know, You've been doing an amazing job at this bank. I'm like all right yeah think appreciate it keep it down a little bit keep it down a little bit. He's like, you've been actually doing just amazing job, phenomenal job one of the top retail loan officers especially better than ashley burns i mean that's matthew's sister <laughs> ashley langdon better than her i mean you're just knocking it out of the park you're just knocking on that come on now you're just doing a great job you're just uh, i mean i just i wanted to do something special for you and i'm like all right all right i like this being president let's do something special and he's like I just I don't know how to I just I, I want to do so much for you because you've just been amazing but here you go and he hands me something like, oh, what's this because it's your paycheck I'm like hold on a second this is Friday right yeah, yeah I was already going to get a paycheck Well, yeah I know so where's the special part when I open I open it up I look and, and it in the little memo line usually when they say you're getting that bonus or something's in the memo line it doesn't say anything and it's actually what I already expected I was going to be getting. And I said, hey, Gary, remember when you said I did all that amazing stuff better than Ashley Burns and all that other stuff? Yeah, yeah, remember that. What did I get? Oh, it's just your paycheck. You can do that in the contacts app. Thank you, Siri. <laughs> <laughs> Siri. Siri always comes in at the right time. I was like, Gary's speaking to me in a woman's voice. So, he just gave me what I've already earned. I already earned that. I worked Monday to Friday and Monday to Friday. I already earned that. You're not giving me anything special. You're giving me what I work for. And that's what he's saying in verse 4. He says, now to him that worketh is the reward. When you work, you expect to get paid. That's part of it. And so, unto him that worketh is a reward, not reckoned of grace. There was no grace, what Gary was just doing for me there in my made-up story. That wasn't grace. He had a debt. I worked, and I earned it. They paid me. That was it. He said it was going to be something special. And so that's the idea there verse 4. But then verse 5 says, but to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted, there's that word again, for righteousness it's not saying that we don't do anything for god it's just saying that there's for someone that is helpless that there's nothing that they could do there's absolutely nothing that they could do to pay this off and god does it and he counts it unto them for righteousness he does something on behalf of them that's grace that's what god did for us and he did it for abraham Then he uses another illustration. He says, even as David. Now he's going to stay with Abraham, but he's going to give one more quick one. He says, even as David also describeth the blessedness of man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works." saying, and he's quoting Psalm 32, verse 1-2, but he's quoting this. He says, blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute. That's the same banking term in the Greek. "Who The Lord will not impute or put on his account sin cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcision. I'll get back to verse 9 in a second. So he's quoting now David when David makes a comment in chapter Psalm 32 saying, "Hey, it's a blessed thing when God imputes into your account righteousness because there's nothing we can do to earn it. And it's also a blessing when God does not put on our account all the sin that we deserve because if we think about our lives and our sinfulness, We deserve, we've earned that paycheck, all the consequences that come for sin. That reminds me of that verse we'll get to in several weeks. For the wages of sin is death. Boy, I deserve death because I've earned it. I've worked myself towards earning death in sin. But God doesn't impute the sin on my account when I by faith have received Jesus Christ. By faith have received His righteousness. He has He's paid for that sin. And so he, he's starting out this chapter by looking at an illustration of Abraham and, and David and talking about how it's by faith that you receive that onto your account, that banking term it was counted or imputed on your account, not by anything else. But now he's going to transition and say, show them it's not by your circumcision, which they were proud of, and he's going to prove it in the Bible. That's what I love about Paul. He's using Bible to prove Bible, which is what we try to do today. And so here is what he says verse 9. He says, "Cometh this blessedness, this salvation then upon the circumcision only." Now, I've told you guys in the previous studies when he refers to someone as the circumcision, what people is he talking about? The Jews. The uncircumcised are the Gentiles, okay? So That's what he's referring to there. So he says, verse 9, Come with this blessedness or salvation then upon the circumcision only, Jews, or upon the uncircumcised also, the Gentiles. Is it for everybody? For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. That's what he just said. Faith was placed on his account because of righteousness that he could not earn. Then he says, how was it then reckoned? How was it imputed? How did it get there? When he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision. Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. Now, a lot of words there, but let me explain it. So, he knows that he's dealing with an audience that's going to be sitting there saying, yeah, he's got this righteousness, but he did something. he, He was circumcised, and that's what earned him this. And they show... And what he is doing is he's bringing this memory back to them. And he's saying, do you realize that he was declared righteous by God in the verses that I read before he ever got circumcised? So what he's blowing the mind of these Jews in a way that, when I'm talking 2,000 years later to people that are not Jews, it's a little bit awkward, but stay with me. He's writing he's to the Jews. He's saying, hey guys, you put so much emphasis on your circumcision but Abraham was declared righteous in the verses that I quoted before he ever got circumcised. He was considered to you guys a Gentile then. He had no circumcision. He didn't get circumcised till like 15 years later. And so you guys are all walking around boasting about your circumcision getting you to this, this position of righteousness before God. And the one that you look up to wasn't even circumcised when he was declared righteous by God. He, so circumcision what he's going to go on to explain in verse 11 he says and he received the sign notice that word the sign of circumcision a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had yet being uncircumcised that he might be the father of all them that believe though they be not circumcised that righteousness might be imputed there's that word again unto them also and the father of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only but who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham which he had being yet uncircumcised he said all of this has happened so that he could be a father not just to you Jews now this was going to make them mad but also to those that are uncircumcised because it's not by your heritage it's by faith and that's why Rahab could be entered into the family of God she wasn't a as a gentile or she excuse me she wasn't a jew but she was welcome in that's why ruth could come in as a moabite woman because she came in by faith it's not by circumcision and it's not by the law now let me say this today he said what happened back then is that circumcision was a picture was a seal of what had already happened into his life years ago What do we do in our modern day time as something that is a picture of what happened to us? It's baptism. Now, the word seal, though, we are sealed something different. We're not sealed with an act. We're sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. Ephesians tells us in Ephesians chapter 4, says that whereby when we were saved, we were sealed, chapter 3, excuse me, we were sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. So you and I are sealed by the Holy Spirit. But when we get baptized, and we've seen some people get baptized, when you get baptized, you are, what's happening is you are showing everybody that I am a child of God. You're not going in there to wash away your sins. That water is not doing anything about washing away any sins. But what is happening is you're saying, I'm identifying with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. What you're saying is I'm showing everybody that I identify with Jesus Christ. And that's what really this circumcision was for them. It was showing everybody, I'm a Jew. See, now, hopefully not showing everybody, but anyways, it's a side thing. But it was telling everybody that I am with, I'm a Jew. That's who I am. I identify with Abraham. Well, baptism is a way of saying, I identify with Jesus Christ. Just like wearing a jersey. Uh, saying I'm identifying with this team. Same deal. That's what we do today. So today, we don't get caught up in the circumcision or uncircumcision. Today, though, we get caught up in faith in Jesus Christ, and then don't be ashamed of that. Get baptized, showing everybody that you identify with Jesus Christ. So it's not by circumcision. Verses 13 through 15 show it's not by the law. He says, For the promise that he should be an heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. See, the thing that was so special about Abraham and that everybody thought it was going to be the land of the seed, yeah, well, it's, it's about who's coming from that seed. It's about the one who's going to bring righteousness, Jesus Christ. It says, For if they which are of the law are heirs of faith is made void. Right, let me read that right because I turned the page. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void. So if you just inherit salvation because you're a Jew, well, then faith is made void and the promise made of none effect because the law worketh wrath for whether it no low law is there is no transgression see the purpose of the law the purpose of the ten commandments the purpose of the law galatians tells us it's just to show us that we're sinners if i were to put the ten commandments up here and go down through them and try to examine someone's life now we wouldn't do this but if i were to put let's say i put chris chris on the stand i say hey chris in front of everybody, let's just go through these Ten Commandments. Tell me which ones you've broken, all right? And we start going down through them. It's going to get a little uncomfortable, but it's, we just go through them. All it's going to do is show Chris, and then Chris says, hey, Brad, why don't we put you on a stand? Let's go down through these, and you've got to answer them honestly. You've got a truth serum, and you've got to answer them honestly, all right? And he comes down through those. You know what it's going to be about if we put everybody on the stand? We're all guilty. So the law, it reveals our sin but it doesn't show us what to do it just says hey you're a sinner and it's like if you're leading someone to the Lord and you get them all the way to the point and you show them that they're a sinner and you say do you believe you're a sinner they're like yeah I really do and you're like okay have a good day and you walk out (laughs) they're like okay what do I do that's what the law does the law says you're a sinner I agree but there's nothing I can do for you because you've already sinned if you'd have kept it perfect maybe I gave her a deal but you can't do anything so the law just points us to the need and that's when Jesus says hey I came to fulfill the law I came to give you what you can't get and so the law is if we could work our way there it makes the law really of none effect the purpose of the whole law verse 16 therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end of the promise might be sure to all the seed and not to only that which is of the law but to that also which is of faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. That's what Abraham's referred to. Before, whom, before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy see be. I mean, he had. And there's some times it looked hopeless. He's 90 years old. He's got no kid. You're not really thinking about having a kid at that point. It looked hopeless, but he believed the promise of God. He continued to believe the promise of God, and he knew that God was going to do something. And God worked that out. It says, verse 18, verse 19. And being not weak in faith. he. This tells us some things about his stand there. He wasn't weak in faith. He considered not his own body, now dead, unable to have children. When he was about a 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Notice this next phrase, a good phrase. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. That's a great phrase. It tells us something about Abraham. Because how many times have we staggered in our faith? i tell you what, one thing goes wrong, and I'm staggering like crazy. He staggered not. No wonder why Abraham was called a friend of God. No wonder why Abraham was so... He's listed in Hebrews chapter 11. He, he, though he didn't stagger in his faith. 100 years old. This isn't going to happen. He didn't, but he didn't stagger in his faith. Look at verse 21 again, another good one. And being fully persuaded... That what he, God, promised, was able to perform. And therefore, it was imputed. There's that word again. Counted, placed on his account to him for righteousness. Now, the last three verses, he's going to apply it to us all. He's, 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 he's used Abraham. Now he's going to apply it to us all. And we'll be done. He says, now it was not written for his sake alone. Well, that's good because we're reading this. It was That it was imputed to him. There's the word again. But for us also to whom it shall be imputed if what we believe on him that raised up Jesus from the dead who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Let me ask you guys real quick. You just saw those verses. Is there? I understand you may have got, maybe you say, I, I got a little lost in some of that Abraham and uncircumcised, circumcised stuff. But those last three verses right there, wasn't that so clear about salvation? It's by faith. It's by faith. But you're going to, you will come across people in your lifetime, they're not going to talk about circumcision to get to heaven, but they're going to come across people in their lifetime that believe that their baptism is getting them to heaven because they're our friends in the Church of Christ, some Christian churches. You're going to come some people that think that their works and their doing of sacraments are going to get them to heaven. Those are the people in the Catholic Church. You're going to come across people in in other denominations that believe in doing of something to get them to heaven. I'm not saying they're bad people, but what I'm saying is they're misguided on what the Bible says. Because you guys, yeah, you're hearing me say it verbally, but you read the scriptures. He said that we are justified by faith in those who believe that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. That's it. It's faith. It is faith that saves next week we're going to get into chapter five some great great verses in chapter five it's still on the topic of salvation you may say well, we're dealing a lot with subjects we already know well, that's true and that's fine this is called it's a class for a reason because we're trying to nail this down so that you have some confidence in it so that you it's like it's like watching even in baseball if you're coaching a team in the beginning of the season or basketball whatever when you're coaching a team at the beginning if they haven't done anything especially with kids they're a little rusty but at the end of the season, they're usually playing better than they started at the beginning because they've got it nailed down, there and they're confident now because they've been doing it over and over and over again. What I'm saying in this class is I want us to constantly hit salvation from different angles. And that's what Paul's doing, and we're just reading it. And he hits sin from different angles. And it gives us a confidence when we get out of this class that when we're talking to people, we can handle the gospel with confidence. And I think next week's got some great verses, even talking about trials and stuff, that we will get into. So let's bow for prayer.